Morning, y'all. How are you? Going to start back here because uh, we asked uh, Tim Ward to actually uh, create this cross when our uh, other cross gets covered up by the screen. So we said, no, this is uh, our symbol. This has uh, been the symbol of Christianity down through the centuries. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that we celebrate. But actually, uh, the uh, cross, crucifixion, was the most agonizing and cruel means of executing a criminal, I think, ever devised. It was designed to degrade and humiliate and then kill criminals. Executing someone on a cross was reserved for the most dangerous and uh, for those that were deemed the the worst enemies of the Roman state. Uh, If you were uh, someone who was hated by the Romans, uh, this was a form of unusual cruelty and prolonged pain. That was the idea behind the cross. Roman citizens were actually exempt. If you were a Roman citizen, you could choose not to be uh, crucified on a cross if you were found guilty. But what's interesting is today, 2023, we tend to look at the cross in sentimental terms. Uh, We cover the cross in gold, and we wear it on chains around our neck. And uh, we wear them sort of as a fashion statement. Um, But can you imagine if first century Christians would have seen our crosses and saw our gold-embossed chains of the cross hanging around our necks? Uh, that was, again, the ultimate symbol of rejection and hate. If you looked at the cross, you'd think, wow, that is the lowest, most cruel form of death. It would be a little bit like today if we wore a silver electric chair uh, hanging on a, on a cross or a, a golden gas chamber, if you will, wearing around on our necks. Now, now I'm not suggesting it's wrong or sinful to wear a cross. I get it. That's why we have a cross up here in in the church. But I I will say it's easy, if we're not careful, to forget what this symbol is all about. And again, it becomes a fashion statement and we lose the meaning of the cross. Here's what Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 1.23. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. We need to remember that the unsaved, unchurched world has never been pleased with the message of Jesus on the cross. The the unchurched world, they don't like that message and that's what we're going to talk about today as we close the book of Romans Uh, That's the message of Jesus on the cross. Uh, In the book of Acts, chapter 5, 
Peter and the apostles are dragged before the Sanhedrin, the, re, the Jewish religious leaders. And uh, in chapter 5, here's their reaction to the cross of Christ. It says, Then the Sanhedrin brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. He said, Instead, you filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want us to be responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. How do you think they responded to that message? When they heard this, the high council were furious and wanted to kill them, decided to kill them for their message. I'm telling you, the cross of Christ has always been an offensive message. People don't want to hear about the cross, which is why the book of Galatians is the epistle of the cross. Paul just gives it, we're going to look at it, again and again and again. The message is the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? Let's close out the book of Galatians out loud if you're able. Would you stand with me? We're going to read verses 11 through 18, Galatians chapter 6. Here we go. Read with me. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this delightful and feisty book that we call the letter to the Galatians. So thank you, Lord, for all that we've learned and uh, been instructed to and by as we've uh, studied this book for many, many months now. 
May your inspired manual for our lives come alive one more time today in your church. We need you. We need your word and your spirit. We welcome you today in your church. And Lord, I want to pray right now for those who are here in person. I want to pray for those who are watching online who've just endured a really no good, horrible, bad week. And Lord, the truth is, we all have weeks like that. So I pray that today, as we dig into your book, I pray that you might bring hope. I pray, Lord, that you might rain down your grace and peace. I pray, Lord, for joy to uh, be had and experience joy despite the circumstances. Thank you, Lord. We're, we're grateful to worship your son, Jesus, and all the church family here gathered at Walloon, watching online, said with one united voice. You can be seated. Verse 11, Paul writes, uh, See uh, what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Okay? So you need to understand, uh, it's likely Paul was using a stenographer, we would say today. Uh, the fancy word is an emanuensis. That was someone who in biblical days would write down and record words. And Paul was using an emanuensis. So first reason perhaps why he writes with such large letters is it could be that compared to the neat and impeccable writing of his stenographer, his letters looked large and sloppy. That's one reason why he writes what he does here in verse 11. Uh, second reason uh, uh, why he says, I write with such large letters, is because maybe he's writing in all capitals. We do that today. Uh, it means I'm shouting. And Paul kind of shouts this letter. He's pressing hard. He's letting everybody know I really mean what I'm writing down. Third reason Paul says I'm writing with such large letters, could be because his thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, was poor eyesight. It very well could be, if you look back at Galatians 4.15, where Paul writes, if you could take out your own eyes and give them to me, I know you would do that. It could be the reason he writes with such large letters is because Paul can't see well. And uh, having been a veteran of four eye surgeries, that's kind of where I uh, tend to think that what's going on here, that's my bias. We don't really know for sure. We just know uh, he's writing now with his own pen as he finishes up this, this book we call Galatians. Now Paul returns to his major theme, okay? This has been the theme of his letter. There's a cancer of false teaching that's beginning to infect the churches in Galatia. Uh, this cancer has replaced the grace of Christ with the law of Moses. Tracking? 
So they were trying to replace the grace, faith alone in Christ alone, by adding the Old Testament law. They were attempting to twist biblical Christianity and make it fit with Judaism. That's why they were often called the Judaizers. Okay? And Paul here calls them boasters. Look at verse 12 with me. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Even, even those who advocate circumcision, they don't want to keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so that they can, what's the next word? Boast about it and claim you as their disciples. The false teachers were only interested and how they looked on the outside. Okay, Their outward symbol was the Old Testament law, and the outer symbol of the law was circumcision. It, it was the physical sign that they were pushing. And they wanted to convince as many Gentiles who knew Jesus, as many Gentile Jesus followers as possible, to undergo the knife. Okay? They were trophy hunters attempting to please their fellow Jews getting more notches in their circumcision belts. Okay? They, they were just trying to add to their numbers. They were teaching, track with me, it's not enough for the Galatian Christians to just accept the finished work of Jesus on the cross. No, they were teaching you need to add circumcision or maybe your, your salvation isn't really fully complete. You're, you're an incomplete Christian because you haven't been circumcised. Or maybe you're not even a Christian because you haven't been circumcised. These law lovers had traveled all the way from Jerusalem all the way to southern Turkey. That's over 500 miles. Why? Why? To avoid, look at the last part of verse 12, being persecuted for the cross of Christ. They didn't want to be accused of just being focused on the cross of Christ. Verse 13, they cared about outward appearances. They wanted to stay on the good side of the Jews. Okay? They were attempting, track with me, to straddle the fence. Okay? We believe in Jesus, but we also don't want to get in trouble with the Jews, so we want to emphasize the Mosaic Law and Jesus at the same time. They wanted to be able to travel back to Jerusalem and boast to the Jewish leaders, hey, we got 20, we got 30 we got 40 of them to get circumcised there in the Galatian church. They wanted to be able to go back and boast about the numbers of people they had convinced with their false teaching. Okay? They, they don't just need Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb. You've got to add the Mosaic law as well. Okay? So that's what they were teaching and here's how Paul 
picks up on their idea of boasting. Look with me, verse 14. Here's what Paul says in response. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Yeah. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. They don't think I'm so great because that's all I talk about. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They're the new people of God. Throughout church history, tens of thousands, I would say hundreds of thousands of people who their only crime was to speak up about Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb. Hundreds of thousands of people have been beaten and burned and tortured and martyred for lifting high the cross of Christ. Now this morning as we conclude our our sermon series, Reset, an invitation to transformation, we're going to just focus in. The bullseye today is the cross of Jesus Christ. I already said, the book of Galatians is known as the epistle of the cross. This is the book that's focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to go with you now. We're going to see in the book of Galatians where the cross is mentioned again and again and again. Here we go. Here's a quick review of the cross in Galatians. Galatians 2, verses 20 and 21. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the whole law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. Follow along in your Bible on the phone. Put it up here on the screen. Oh foolish Galatians, who's cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. All about the cross. Galatians 3 verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Galatians 5, verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Galatians 6, verse 12. 
Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Verse 14, Galatians 6. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Catch this. The legalists, the false teachers, were attempting to build a form of Christianity without the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay? Instead, their symbol was the Old Testament law of Moses, the 613 laws and rules of the Mosaic law. They were attempting to create a church built not on the finished work of Jesus Christ, but on the effort and the works of humans doing good religious stuff. Okay? Paul and Barnabas, when they arrived and established the Galatian church, established the church on the foundation of the cross of Jesus Christ. The law lovers, we don't like that foundation. We're okay with Jesus. We're okay even a little bit of the cross, but mostly we want to talk about circumcision and human effort. Do you understand what was going on? And that's exactly what they were shoving down the Galatian believers, the Galatian church, and and making them listen and trying to get as many people to buy in as possible. Now here's the question. Why, why were the Judaizers trying to duck the cross? Verse 12, Galatians 6. Why was the Sanhedrin so furious, the Jewish leaders, why were they so angry that they wanted to kill the apostles when they talked about the cross and Jesus on the cross and the Jews putting Jesus on the cross. Why have Jesus' followers down through church history been tortured, imprisoned, and murdered when they present Christ crucified? One more question. Why are people still today, 2023, even if we say it nicely and lovingly and gently, why are people even today still so offended when we present the cross of Christ, Henry? Why, why do people still today, when we talk about Jesus on the cross, get so upset? Let me give you three reasons, okay? Three reasons why the cross of Jesus is so offensive And people 2,000 years after Calvary, they still don't want to hear about it today. Why not? Uh, The first reason the cross is offensive is because Jesus died on the cross for who? For sinners. Okay? And, And people get that. They understand, oh, you're talking about Jesus and shed blood and the reason Jesus died on the cross was for sinners. Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven to save sinners like 
us, okay? Perhaps you've discovered this. I don't know if you have or not, but the only sin in today's society is when someone has the audacity to actually call something sin. That is the sin. The cardinal worst sin today is when someone actually says, that's sin, okay? On talk shows, on talk radio, on podcasts, on YouTube, I'm telling you, you can talk about the most gross, decadent, demented sin. And I'm telling you, people will applaud. Wow, you are so brave. You, you, you are so courageous talking about that vile evilness. And yet, let someone be so bold as to say, no, this activity, God's Word calls that sin. It's wrong. And suddenly the knives and the claws come out. Have you noticed? People will cancel you. They will hate you if you dare call something sin. Okay? Uh, and they will try to remove you from ever, whatever platform you're speaking from because you called something sin. The doctrine of the cross tells us the reason Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven and went to a Roman cross and shed his blood on that cross was for sinners like Jeff. Okay? That's, that's what that speaks loudly to. There are many well-known preachers, teachers, evangelists. I could name a half dozen now. I'm going to choose not to. Their ministry is founded on the fact that people don't like to hear about sin. Their, their whole basis of their ministry is people don't like to talk about sin. They don't like to hear that they're sinners. So we're going to build a church uh, and leave out the cross and the reason Jesus took on a human body and came to save sinners like us, to seek and to save the lost. I'm telling you, it's a cottage industry, and it's, they skip the cross in their teaching. They don't want to talk about the old sinful nature even after we say yes to Jesus by faith. Listen close. Until we admit we're sinners headed for judgment, why would I need a cure? If there's nothing wrong, if we don't talk about sin, then why on earth would I need saving if I'm doing just fine on my own? Do you understand? It doesn't make sense. Uh, unless I'm convinced that my old sinful nature is still alive, and active and ready to take over my life. Where do you see that? Go back to chapter 5 of Galatians, verses 16 to 21. Paul, Paul says clearly, and he's writing to the church, you got to be careful because that old nature is alive and it'll take over. We're going to constantly be losing the battle and we have no idea why because no one's talking about the old flesh and winning the daily battle. For control of our lives. That's the first reason it's, it's so offensive. Is because Jesus came for sinners. Now the second reason why the cross is offensive. Is a continuation. It's the next 
reason based off of the first. Uh, Jesus came to save sinners, and the second reason why the cross is offensive is because I'm a sinner, and, and you're a sinner, and we're all sinners. Galatians 3.13, we're all men and women under a curse on our way to eternal judgment. That's the reality. And it shouldn't surprise us that judgment and hell and the lake of fire, did you know they're not popular subjects in 2023? Did you know that? I, I don't think you probably needed to be told that. The cross of Jesus shouts at us. Jeff, Jesus took your place on that cross. The cross of Jesus shouts, it's your sin, Jeff, that I'm bearing on that cross. It's your curse that I'm suffering. It's your debt that I'm paying. It's your death that I'm dying for, Jeff. Nothing cuts us down to size like the cross of Christ. Why? Because at the cross, suddenly I see myself from God's perspective. At the cross of Christ, my inflated opinion of me gets popped. You understand? Suddenly now, I am not as good as I thought. At the cross of Christ, I realize I deserve judgment. I have fallen short. And, and that's not a popular message. It's, it's offensive, especially if I have a highly inflated view of me. Third reason. By the way, it's very quiet in here today. Third reason the cross of Christ is offensive is because the cross loudly and clearly proclaims we can't save ourselves. We can't earn it. We can't merit it. We can't work for it. There's nothing on our part that we can add to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. If you are the nicest, hardest, working, do-goodingest person, I don't know, Scott, if that's a word or not, uh, you can't earn or merit salvation because if you could, it, then the cross of Christ is unnecessary. Does that make sense? If you could earn it, then Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. If we could merit it, then Jesus wasted his life and his shed blood on the cross at Calvary. And that's exactly Paul's point. Galatians 2, verse 21. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. If we could do it and earn it, and keep all the laws meticulously, then there was no need for Christ to die. It's humbling, it really is, to realize we can't save ourselves. <laughs> all my good works, all my earnest efforts are not impressive to God. Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 Here's how Isaiah writes it. All of us have become like one who are unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Let me get a little more 
uh, gross. All of our best efforts to please God, it's like presenting to Him all of our filthy, used, dirty toilet paper. Got it? Okay? Just picture all that you've accumulated in the last week, and you say, I present this to you, Lord, and He looks at it and He says, Gross. That stinks. All of our best efforts on our own efforts to try to attempt to please God, it's like filthy rags. The only act in all of history that was sufficient to deal with our sin problem, are you ready? Is the sinless life, the death, the shed blood, the tomb, the empty tomb. That's the only acts in all of history sufficient to deal with sinful me and sinful you. That's it. Here's how Peter explains it. 1 Peter 1, 24. Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. So, closing question. What do we do? Balcony, what do we do? We got this message of eternal life that ticks people off when we share it. I don't care how nice, how gentle, how kind you are. People take that message of the cross and they're offended. What do we do with it? Here's what Paul said, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Here's, here's what Paul's conclusion was. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. This good news tells us how God made us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the, as the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ that we have life. The gospel, the good news, the cross, that's where the power of God comes from. Do you understand? You want to know power? Uh, that comes from the finished work of Jesus Christ. Leave out the cross, then you're going to leave out the power. Leave out the shed blood, then we remove the power from the church. Remove salvation, then you just have sterile religion. Suddenly now, just do good, be nice, try harder, here are our rules, follow the system, and suddenly now there's no power, there's no salvation, there's only folks headed to a Christless eternity. No power without the cross. No power without the shed blood. Last verse. Last verse of Paul's feisty, strong, Christ-filled letter. Verse 18. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, I mean this, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
in your spirit, Jesus in you, let it be. Amen.